What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. wait for you to hear this episode as I'm speaking with the incredible Lily Simpson, a busy mother, businesswoman, Instagram sensation and wellness guru whose healthy food delivery venture, the Detox Kitchen, is changing the way we look at the convenient food delivery services for the better. After studying out studying real estate management and dabbling in the catering industry in her 20s, Lily discovered where her passion lied after realizing there was a huge gap for healthy real food in the delivery industry. She began catering real food with real ingredients to close friends and family and eventually developed her wonderful business into the detox kitchen known and loved around the UK today, taking the stress out of planning and eating well. Frustrated and concerned by the amount of processed fast food available, Lily's mission is to get more people eating and enjoying healthy food and to change the relationship people have with food, teaching them that their choices not only impact weight and inner health, but how the food we eat can affect every aspect of our lives. With very clear core values around real food, sustainability and respect, Lily lives her life and runs her business with these always at front of mind, inching ever closer to her dream of a world where there is no processed foods available. When asked how she makes it all work, being a busy mother and business owner, Lily simply says it's about being honest and open with your family, friends and employees, working hard and just knuckling down to get stuff done. Driven by a passion to see people transform their lives and live a happier, healthier existence, Lily's hard work and determination is truly inspiring. In this wonderful episode, you'll discover incredible yet simple tips for living a healthier life, how to draw inspiration from the people around you and the importance of surrounding yourself with people who can help you achieve your dreams, the importance of trusting your instincts, going with your gut and following your heart how living a life aligned with your values can help you make the right choices and continually help to ask the right questions in life and business, the power of reducing your phone and screen time and how to commit to non-negotiables when it comes to self-care and family, and so much more. Lily's mission is truly inspiring and I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. So let's get right into it. Well, hello, Lily, and welcome to our Dream Life podcast. Super excited to have you here. 
Thank you so much for taking your time. I know you are in a very busy time, um, so I am very grateful that you're here. And I just love how you created a way of for people to have healthy, delicious food every day. Your story is amazing, and I cannot wait to explore in detail with you. But first, I'd like to think about your childhood. Did you have any dreams for the future when you were a child? It's funny, actually, because whenever I think of my childhood, I always think of what I wanted, where I would be when I was 30. Yeah. And... By that point, I assumed I would own a house, I would own a car, I would have however many children, three or four. And by the point of being 30, that's when everything would be sorted and I'd have this like revelation that life was amazing because I was this adult. Yeah. I think that was always kind of the way that I had thought. Yeah. I don't think I ever had, definitely growing up, I never thought I sort of wanted to be something very specific. So, you know, I didn't want to be a doctor or an astronaut or anything like that. But I think I always knew that I wanted to do something quite creative. Yeah. And I always love cooking. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, amazing. And you are doing something really um, (laughs) creative. You are the much-loved creator of Detox Kitchen, which brings healthy food that tastes great to people all across London, taking the stress and planning out of eating eating well. It's such a brilliant concept, and you created a serious following as a wellness guru since launching this phenomenon. I would love you to share how this all came about. Okay. So, yeah, I guess growing up, I had always loved cooking, but I never really thought that it would be a career of, you know, kind of career path. And so I actually studied real estate management at university, which was fairly bizarre, actually, because I'd always loved English and art and things. But I thought I probably needed a proper career. And then I worked in property for four years. And while I was doing that on the side, I started catering because I had loved food and I wanted to do something a bit creative on the side. And so I started catering and then realized I could actually make a little bit of money from on the side, you know. And so I got quite lucky in, in one way because I was working for a company that had lots of private events that they had catered for. So yeah. I asked to do the catering, they said yes. And then I just suddenly kind of, you know, got lots of property clients off the back of that, I guess. Yeah. And then I decided to leave and start up my own catering company, which was called Lily's Lovely Bites. Yes. And I did that for 18 months before launching Zsot's Kitchen. But for me, I guess, for me growing up, I guess I didn't really have any financial stability. So in launching a company, I had to do something that had a fairly good cash flow where revenues were coming in. And so it was quite a nice kind of step from catering where you got paid, you know, fairly okay. And then going into when I launched Detox Kitchen, it was how do I create like a business that where I can have a really good cash flow early on, but also have a business that I could scale. Yeah. I guess that actually wasn't probably the way that I thought about it in some respects, but it was always that part that played in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And the, I guess the way that Detox Kitchen actually started was a friend just said to me, she was she had just had a baby, she wanted to lose a couple of pounds, she wasn't feeling great, she had no energy, she was eating like a packet of hobnobs a day. So I said I'd deliver her some healthy food and she absolutely loved it. And she was like, you have to do this for other people. So I then thought, that would be great. I would love to do this for more people. And I loved the idea of actually having this transformative effect quite quickly. And I guess that's what's always trade, um, kind of stayed true for us is the outcome of what we do is to have a really big impact on the way people feel and obviously through food. And it just kind of went from there. So I had these kind of two things working, which was my ultimate mission, which was to get more people to feel the real benefits of what healthy food, how healthy food can make you feel mm-hmm. and and look, you know, and then at the same time have this kind of stable income because I had nothing to fall back on. And the two kind of married up quite well. And then, yeah, I guess the rest is history in a way, but we, you know, we've had our ups and downs in, in the last almost seven years, but now we're in a really 
kind of exciting position and it was quite fun in terms of timing to be I guess market leaders in, in some respect because seven or eight years ago the diet industry was a totally different place I mean mm. it was calorie led the food it wasn't about food being really delicious and looking amazing and being vibrant it was about you know put in a certain amount of calories and you'll lose x amount of weight which you know was never the way that I've looked at food and then the healthy food industry kind of exploded I guess and yeah, and now we are where we are, yeah. which is good. It's amazing. I love that it has gone away from that calorie oh, totally. low fast and, um, mm. and now focusing a little bit more on, on less sugar and um, eating real food, real food, which is absolutely crazy when you think about that I that know. isn't, you know, but that so many people do not eat real food. I know, it's scary. So did you always have a passion for health and well-being growing up? I think indirectly, yes, definitely. Because I guess I was never the person who, you know, I was always quite sporty at school. I always ate, you know, we always cooked from scratch in my household. But I guess I've always had a super healthy relationship with weight in the sense of I never ever thought about food being, you know, I think a lot of young women have that kind of mm. they associate what they eat with kind of what they weigh or how they look and for me it was never ever about that it was just kind of fu fueling myself in the right way and wanting to feel good about it I guess in some respects yes I've always been conscious of being healthy and certainly within the last 10 years I mean it has kind of taken a new level in that I eat to have complete mental clarity and yeah. you know to really feel great in myself rather than any other thing and I think all the extra benefits that we think of that are slightly more um, aesthetic I suppose come from eating really well but yeah. they will for me it's just a kind of you know nice side effect of it yeah absolutely yeah I love that and um, while we're talking about food um, tell us what would you eat in a day if you ate really well and would feel great so it would probably start with eggs in the morning yeah I actually recently turned vegetarian about two years ago and I would love to try and go vegan but eggs are the one thing I just can't seem to give up. So yeah. I have eggs pretty much every morning. Yeah. I have them on toast or with some avocado or whatever. And then I tend to have a juice every day, so a fresh juice. I also have a coffee because I don't know how to wake up without one. Yes. <laughs> and then for lunch, I have a massive salad. I mean, to be fair, I eat at Detox Kitchen pretty much every yeah, day because yeah. I'm always there. So I always have like a, a plate that is full of lots of different. I mean, I try and get like into my lunch, I'll try and get between five and seven different vegetables. Yeah. And then I tend not to really snack up until I get home. I try to get home at six so I can eat with my kids. Yeah. And dinner is generally kind of a mishmash of stuff because my daughter eats incredibly well. She's only two, but she will have broccoli soup if I put it in front of her or she'll have like lentils and what God knows what else yeah. that goes into that. My son won't so much. He will have, he'll have a piece of chicken with a piece of cheese and, you know, yeah. So I kind of have an amalgamation of all of their food put together, maybe a bit of macaroni cheese on the side. <laughs> but yeah, I think dinner for me is, I always try to have it as early as possible. Yeah. I'm never restrictive what I eat at dinner. Yeah. Like I just kind of, as long as there are a couple of veg on the plate and some good protein, generally like lentils or beans or whatever else. I'm a, I'm a real, at the moment, I'm really into soups. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the weather's shifted. And so every night I just make, as soon as I get home, I'll in a pan, I'll just put loads of red lentils and then whatever veg I've got in the fridge, I'll just have them all in. Like last night I had yellow peppers, courgettes, butternut squash and broccoli soup all whizzed up together with some mm. red lentils and bay leaves. It's delicious. Yum. Yeah. yeah I love, <laughs> you know, I love soups and yeah. um, we always have a bit of a laugh because when we started Kiki K, I, we don't, I wanted to eat healthy and I, uh, also, we didn't have a lot of money, so I used to do like a big pot of soup every Sunday, and then that's what we had for lunch and dinner. And uh, Paul was like, he was always saying, you know, when we make some money, I'll never want to eat this. <laughs> we still eat that you soup. You still eat the soup, exactly. <laughs> we do. Yeah. It's so delicious. So, yeah. But 
You said your mission is to get more people eating and enjoying healthy food. Can you tell us a little bit more about that mission and what led you to create and chase it? Yeah, I think for me, like my, I guess the why to, to everything I do is, or not, well, yeah, the why I suppose is, I guess I'm doing it because I am very concerned about where the food industry is going. I mean, things have definitely changed. I think what scares me the most is that we have to educate people to eat real food. So, you know, I think in terms of what drives me every day is, you know, I know that people, you know, we've got a kind of epidemic of so many things that are diet related mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, whether it be obesity or mental illness, so much of that is linked to your diet. And actually, it just really, really does worry me. I mean, it's something that I think about every second of the day that it's so unfair that a people don't really understand the importance of what they're putting into their bodies and how it does affect their mood or you know the way they look the way they feel that kind of everything and so there's that big educational piece that's really important and so as a brand I think that's a big part of what we do and then I guess the other part is just making it more convenient because we live in a world where everyone wants you know they want food instantly and so kind of I guess ultimately we're just trying to marry the two together so we're trying to get super healthy food to people in the most convenient way possible and just really stay true to that making real food from real ingredients but it's hard you know I think the battle that I find most frustrating out of anything is that people think that you're you just want people to eat that way so that they lose weight or that you know whatever much more kind of from a you know aesthetic point of view but for me it just isn't the case like I massively if I eat badly for a few days like if I have loads of sugar or I have too much coffee or I maybe drink a few too many glasses of wine I feel terrible mm -hmm. mentally for you know good whether it's 24 hours or even a week you know impacts you so massively but I'm very in tune with that and yeah. so I make those decisions based on you know I won't have an extra glass of wine if I've got a really big meeting tomorrow or if I know I'm going to go through a stressful period yeah. but there are so many people that don't understand that connection yeah. or don't believe in it and so for us it's more about just reinforcing that everything everything we do is reinforcing that this food will make you feel a certain way yeah you know in a good way yeah, absolutely. So what for those people who are, do not have access, because obviously mm -hmm. we are a global podcast here, yep. so for our <laughs> listeners, what tips, if you can't get your food mm. delivered, what kind of tips would you give to people to really um, live a healthy life in terms of what they're putting into their bodies? I think it depends on at what stage you're at. So if your diet is kind of laden with lots of sugar and caffeine and alcohol or you know processed food I think it's just replacing a few of them slowly so but at the same time I guess one thing that I often say to people is with sugar try and cut sugar out for three days just see if you can do it because it is hard but it's only three days of your life and at the same time while you're doing that start introducing new foods so if you're eating a lot of processed foods maybe say you're having processed food for lunch and dinner introduce dinner just introduce a soup like a really simple soup that you might have on the side or as a starter even so you're starting to experiment more with more with flavors or cooking from scratch itself yeah. and then at the same time you're tr you're actually trying to get rid of this kind of sugar attachment because it, it has to be both like I think you know it's not easy it's not yeah. you know you have to um, there has to be a commitment to it in some respect yeah. so and again it's the same with coffee like you know I wouldn't say to anyone give up coffee entirely but if you're having eight coffees a day just try and have four then maybe go three days without having coffee and see yeah. how you feel I always remember my dad like complaining to me one day he was like oh, I just am so tired because I can't sleep at night it takes me you know I don't get to sleep until two in the morning and I was like when do you stop drinking coffee? He was like, oh, after dinner. And I was like, you know, cut back on 
until say midday, set some rules, set some really basic rules and just try and notice the impact it has on you. Because even with sugar, like I really do believe it takes about two weeks to properly cut out a sugar addiction. But in three days, you notice a massive difference in your energy levels mm. and also in your taste buds. I mean, yeah. the taste that you get from like eating too much sugar in your mouth, that kind of coating of is that goes within even within a day of not eating, yeah. you know, kind of really refined sugar. And if you can recognize that and feel the difference, that's what will spur you on to keep doing it. So yeah, I think I think just baby steps and also just cook from scratch. Like yeah. for me, that is, I think if our mission was anything, it would be to get more people to cook from scratch because that's the only way that you can truly eat as, you know, in the best way possible. Yeah. And what you know what's in us as well, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fantastic. So you're clearly someone with strong values and, a, and are very passionate about helping others um, live healthier lives. Where do you think this came from and why is that important to you? Oh. <laughs> That is, I've never actually even thought about that. I think I'm a Pisces. So one, well, I know I'm a Pisces and I think maybe that's got something to do with it. And I've always, you know, I always care about, you know, I think I'm probably the friend that when people are, they need a bit of advice on how to feel a bit better, they probably come to me. So I think instinctively, I just have that nature. My mum is incredibly caring and, but I also think I'm probably driven by seeing, I think it probably goes back to this transformation. I really love to see it, people making improvements in their lives and I think that's probably always come from you know being a team player like I love to see other people succeed and so whether that's succeeding through having a better diet or it's succeeding in a career or whatever it might be I'm not 100% sure where it comes from to be honest but yeah yeah it doesn't matter <laughs> so in my um, recent book I talk about the question of who as in who can help. My experience is that one of the most important things people can ask themselves towards making their dreams come true is who can help me and who can I learn from and who has successfully done what I'm trying to do. You clearly have a lot of self-drive and a strong passion for what you do, which have helped you to get where you are today. But I would love to know, is there anyone who played a big role in terms of helping you where you, where you are today? Any mentors um, or support team? I think probably personally, on a personal level, I have an amazing support network. Yeah. So, you know, my mum, my husband, everyone is always so supportive. In fact, they believe in me far more than they should and that I believe in myself, which I think that definitely helps. It's annoying sometimes because they believe so much that you then feel like you have to fulfill that. But anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other story. In terms of mentors, I guess I wouldn't say that I have specific mentors in the, in the sense of I would see them much more as friends. Yeah. So, you know, for example, I went for a breakfast the other day with a guy who, and I always think it works like this. This is the, a true sign of a mentor where you have a conversation and in that conversation, something shifts in you and yeah. you realize, or, you know, suddenly you see something so much clearer. And he was so interesting. I was saying to him, I was really struggling with this kind of balancing, having physical sites and our digital side of the business, which is growing really quickly. And and he said something to me, which was just to take a step back and look at, you know, he was like, how do you want people to think of you? Do you want someone to kind of stumble out of a dinner after having too many glasses of red wine and be able to click a button and have detox delivered to them? Or do you want people to, you know, think of you as the place that they go regularly at, below their office, which obviously restricts your audience? He was like, just think in those kind of ways. Mm. He said it much more eloquently than I could ever say it. But that for me is what a real mentor is. Mm. And so, you know, I try and meet people like that all the time. Yeah. And it's hard to find people. Like sometimes I will go for a lunch with someone in the hope of them giving me this you know these words of wisdom and it doesn't happen but you know it's those little nuggets that you get and now I will you know I'll see this guy often and yeah you know if I'm ever struggling with something specific where I think he can help 
I think there is absolutely no doubt that in order to succeed, you need to be able to communicate and speak to other people and, and really take on board what they're saying. Yeah. I think a lot of it needs to be driven from you because I think this is the thing with mentorship at the moment. It's become a bit of a buzzword. And I think what if you want to start your own business or you want to go further in your career, a lot of it has to come from you. When you meet other people, it's much more about them drawing out of you rather yeah. than them giving you the answers. Yeah. And I think once you crack that and understand it, that's when you can really kind of get more out of your relationships with mentors or whoever. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe um, there is no such a thing as one perfect mentor in terms of giving you everything. I oh, think yeah, sometimes, definitely. especially for the formal uh, way of using mentors is, you know, sometimes like having a monthly coffee or a weekly yeah. coffee. But I think it's actually just about having a coffee, as you yeah. as you just said, and make it easy for them as well. So it's not totally. really, and it's a win-win because um, obviously we can all share and um, yeah. benefit from each other. So I, I love that. Yeah, Thank you for sharing. So in my book, I share with readers that I found great inspiration from dreams and experiences of others. Who would you say inspires you? It sounds like such a cliche. It really does. And I'm sorry, but my mum massively inspires yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> but it's a funny kind of inspiration in some respect because mum had a really, really difficult upbringing and she never really had a foundation a family foundation basically so she left home when she was very young and yet she has this unbelievable drive to have her make sure that her children are well educated so for us growing up you know we would move house all the time and everything would be totally chaotic but the one thing that stayed completely unchaotic was our education and she put everything into that she made sure that we got into the best schools on scholarships or whatever it might have been and she just focused all of her attention onto that and then at the same time as you know as a pretty much, you know, with with nothing, she kept trying to set up her own business. And for many reasons, it didn't work. Like, I think she probably looked at it as not working because she wasn't good enough. But actually, it didn't work because she had no network around her. She had no family network. She had no real kind of strong connections that she could lean on. But she didn't stop. Like, I remember, so she had, she bought, there was a post office that was down the road from us and we so, we sold our house in order to be able to get this post office and mum turned it into a sandwich shop and then she turned it into a florist and it never really worked because ultimately like now I can look at it and be like, it didn't work because it was in the wrong location and, yeah. you know, post office kind of industry was dying then and all of these things that, but she just had this determination. So anyway, we got rid of that and then she started a dating agency. This is way before dating was like, you know, there were dating apps but again it's just kind of wrong timing not not being able to have the backing and it's that drive that literally inspires me every day to be like you can be at rock bottom and not have anything but still believe you can achieve something so she's a huge inspiration I think just generally like you know I draw so much inspiration much more from people that I know rather than because I guess also if you know them you know the hardships that they've suffered yeah. to get where they have. I think often if you have this kind of poster image of someone who's, you know, got a hugely successful company, but you don't really know that much about them, you don't know where it's come from or how they've achieved it. It's, yeah. I find it hard to kind of connect. But yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you for sharing. So thinking about over your journey so far, uh, what would you say has been the biggest obstacle or challenge that you've faced along the journey and how did you overcome them? Oh, goodness. There's always so many when you have your own company. I think... For us, probably bringing on investment is, is challenging, but it can also be amazing. I mean, it's, you know, it has its highs and its lows. So for me, it's been the thing that I found so challenging is I'm a very independent person. I actually work very independently. So actually having a team that reports into me is difficult in a way, but I've kind of, I've worked that out now, I think just about. 
But when I've had investors on board, obviously I have to take into account their opinions as well. And the thing that I found most hard about that is that my decisions are based predominantly on instinct, yeah. which investors don't like particularly much because <laughs> everything needs to be justified. And, and I often find it very hard to verbalize where that instinct comes from, but I know it comes from a place of knowledge and you know making lots of little mistakes all the time and knowing that actually the way that I'm thinking is right and really trusting in myself. And so I think that's been a real, that's been something that I've really, really struggled with up until probably the last couple of months where you know I have made some good decisions and and have kind of been recognized by my investors that those decisions have worked out when actually the odds have always been a little bit stacked against me. Yeah. So that's helped. <laughs> and yeah, I think probably going back to recruitment is probably a real struggle when you have a business. And it's something you don't really think about as a founder, because especially if it's a very mission-led business, you know, you expect that everyone else is just going to be on this mission with you and they're going to believe entirely in what you're doing, which they do, but they don't want to work the hours that you want to work. You know, they don't want to work 20 hours a day. Or... And so managing that and, and getting the best out of people is, um, you know, it takes a huge amount of time, a lot more time than I had ever really imagined. But then it can be incredibly rewarding. Like if you give, if you can find the time to actually nurture people. And I love to dig a little bit deeper on your core values. I've been really inspired by how Stella McCartney's strong values around care of animals, equality, and the environment have have shaped her life and her work and she's seen in my book. I know you're also very conscious of your own social values in the work that you do at Detox Kitchen. Can you share some of your core values with our listeners and how they helped you define what you do with your life and career? Yeah, I think with our kind of real, our real core value lies in food. Yeah. So, you know, it's really about cooking real ingredients, cooking real food from real ingredients. I think that's something I'm just constantly like, it seems so simple. But from that, so much stems from that. So a value within that is our supply chain. So I try and really get down to the nitty gritty of exactly where our food is coming from and the way that that form kind of I guess forms our business is that I have worked with the same fruit and veg supplier for eight years actually because I worked with them when I was catering as well they're a family-run business and they're amazing our fish supplier is just an, an incredible guy you know we source our eggs our, all our eggs are organic and they're sourced from this amazing farm and so I guess the core value of real food from real ingredients filters so strongly into you know how we actually do things so that's really important I think sustainability is a really interesting one for us at the moment especially as a food company because for me the way that I live my life I think every single day about you know I try to not use as much plastic and but as a business it's incredibly hard so when you look at it as an individual it's much easier to make small changes when you look at it from a food business perspective it's really difficult to get you know to protect your food in a material Mm -hmm. and make sure it gets to the customer in a way that they want to receive it and so but what it ends up doing is having a core value like that we don't we currently do use some plastic but having the core value makes us continually question how we can change and for us at the moment it's questioning how the industry needs to change Mm. and so we put a lot of effort you know we've got one girl within our team whose basically whole project is to lobby manufacturers to get a better product that we can use because we currently we do have plastic but it's from recycled plastic so we're kind of doing the best job that we possibly can and then I think what another sort of core value of ours is reflected in the way that we treat everyone so whether it be our customers or our staff is kind of treating them in the same way which is 
is kind of in a respectful way. Mm -hmm. So having respect for your body from a personal perspective, having respect for the people that you work with, um, respecting other people's choices, whether it comes to food or lifestyle or whatever it might be. And when we think about it in that sense, we can start thinking much more about how people might want to use our product within that. Mm. So, you know, it's, you know, I guess it's a non-judgmental kind of value. Yeah. So we might have customers who, you know, who do eat a lot of cake (laughs) and drink loads of wine. And, you know, they're motivated in a totally different way to someone who, you know, works out a lot and actually maybe needs to eat more to kind of maintain their lifestyle so that kind of informs a lot of what we do as well Um, and then as a team it actually really helps because we're always thinking about what the other person is thinking emotionally yeah yeah beautiful love that thank you so in my book i challenge readers to explore the idea of wouldn't it be amazing if you can make a living or spend a large part of your life following your purpose and doing what you really love And I think you seem to be a very perfect example for someone who does that. What advice can you share with our listeners and how they can make that happen for themselves too? So I think two things probably that I do that could, I guess other people could kind of use as inspiration, sort of, (laughs) is I am a massive Mm visualiser. And I didn't really know what it meant until a few years ago. And I didn't really realise I was doing it. And then someone mentioned it and I was like, oh yeah, I do that all the time. And basically... What happens with visualization is it's, for me, it comes from instinct. So if I walk into, for example, when we were looking at Kingley Street, which is our first site, and I walked into the shop and it was a a shirt shop that was closing down. And I walked in and I literally walked into my deli and I could see everything and I could feel the buzz. And I just knew like there were cues out the door and I could, the smell and everything was just so in my head that I... But it wasn't that I had forced it. I didn't walk in and say, right, okay, I need to visualize if this is going to work. I just walked in and it was just there. And I think what is really powerful about that is less about the actual act of visualizing and much more about really being in tune with what your instinct is saying. And so if you can get more in tune with that, I think visualization helps like the task of actually doing it and trying to be like, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to imagine, I don't know, my best friend is sat in front of me and we're having a really lovely time because I, you know, know, whatever it might be. That's a really good way to get to a point where you can actually have that really instinctive visualization that just happens without even needing to think about it. So the more you can kind of train it. So I would say focus on something like that because it makes a massive difference. And also really believe in it. I, you know, there are so many times where I've had this visualization of something not being quite right and just being like, oh, it's fine. I'm sure actually maybe I'm not thinking about it quite right at the moment. And sure enough, it hasn't worked, you know, hasn't worked out. We've gone with it and we've, you know, and so I think that's really important. And I think, but I think the other thing, which, you know, speaking, I speak to a lot of kind of people that want to start their own business or kind of younger founders and they're you can often ask too many questions. And I think if you have a really strong mission or vision, either, you know, sort of the same thing in a way, you have to just, as long as that is a really strong kind of drive for you, you then need to focus absolutely on how you're going to achieve it. Because I think often what people kind of forget to, to do is, you know, having that vision and mission is great, but it's really the how you do it that's important and how you execute it. And it's the hard work that goes into the daily grind of, you know, you might not want to chop 10 kilos of carrots, but you have to chop 10 kilos of carrots because that's how you're going to fulfill your mission. And so I would definitely say to people, it's much more about just getting on with the nitty gritty and, you know, having those, the pain of the long hours and the, you know, the 
all that kind of extra work that goes into succeeding, I suppose, yeah. and not being scared of it. Yeah, and I, I really do. I um, I was talking um, one of our guests on the previous podcast was Gretchen Rubin, and she um, she was talking about for her kids that you don't. You, you don't have to be great to start. Like I think yeah, totally. a lot of founders now, and also because we are so exposed to what people around us doing compared to when I started, I, I wasn't um, as exposed to what other yeah. people doing. So I was kind of really just doing it. But I think now with social media, you kind of, you know, you think you have to be so perfect before you mm. start. And I love the, the quote, um, and I love quotes. You know, you don't have to be great to start, but you actually have to start to be great. And yeah. it's such a good one and that ties in really well with yeah. yours. And visualization for me as well. I really do that all the time and from anything personally and to, you know, to my dream home, to, to the business. And I just, I think this is so powerful, yeah. really so powerful. There's actually a really good tip with visualization, which I use a lot is to just get into it if you need to, is even if I have a meeting that I need to get to, I literally visualize and I know it's going to be tight getting yeah. there. I just visualize how I'm going to do it in my yeah. head. So like, okay, I'm going to get on the tube and then this is going to happen. And that I think really helps you then develop that kind of technique. Yeah. But, um, just going back to your point actually about you don't have to be great like one thing I am not great at anything but I can do a bit of everything and I think that's a really nice thing for a founder because especially as you grow you realize so many other people are so much more skilled than you are and if you can be really open to that from the get-go you know to be like there are better people who can do your job better but what they can't do is everything you know yeah and so yeah that's a that has been a really good a really kind of helpful tool in terms of everything when it comes to growing the business because it means I want to recruit the best people I want to recruit people who are much better than me and I'm not ashamed that I'm not as good as them yeah I think that's a really good tip and I, I remember when I started business because I was never a graphic designer I was thinking do I really need to be a graphic designer because I want to design products and mm. then I realized I would never be as good graphic designer yeah. as the team and now I can be part of it but actually not doing it so yeah. it's a really good tip. Great thanks for sharing. So as you probably know a big crazy dream of mine is to inspire 101 million people around the world to write down three dreams well three carefully considered dreams on paper and start chasing them and I have really part of you know writing the book I realized that so many people do not take the time to dream and I had such a big part of, the, of my life. What three dreams would you write down if you knew anything was possible and you couldn't fail and uh, you can achieve any of them? Big questions. It's a huge question. So actually, one thing that we, growing up, we never really went on holiday very much. And so one huge dream of mine was to get all of my family on holiday, which we actually achieved last year, which was amazing. We all went to France. There was like 14 of us and so my brothers and their partners and then my dad and his girlfriend and my mum. And, and it was amazing. So I guess in terms of a dream, if it could always happen every year, then that would amazing because that's enough to kind of keep me going pretty much for the whole year. I guess a massive dream it seems slightly crazy but that there would be no processed rubbish food in the world for people. I mean that there would be a huge massive tax on sugar and you know all of the food that makes us feel a bit rubbish so I think that I probably generalized that slightly too much but I think something needs to change and you know it would be a big dream of mine to not see kids walking down the street drinking cans of coke and lucasade and all of that rubbish so that's kind of on a slightly bigger scale probably yeah. a bigger dream i'd love to not see any plastic in the oceans <laughs> i think you know they're probably quite big scale i think one you know one other kind of real driving dream for me is to buy my mum a house that's i always say to people a lot actually like having two dreams for the when it comes to your career is really important one of those dreams has to be personal like because sometimes you 
don't want to get out of bed. And the only thing that's going to drive you is that personal dream that you know that you're working towards. And by getting out of bed and doing better in your career, you're going to achieve that. You're going to get closer to achieving it. And then you have to have a career dream, which is, I don't know, you know, you want to feed a million people or whatever it might yeah. be so yeah that's my personal dream is to get my mum house yeah. a really beautiful like probably peach nurseries actually would be nice yeah <laughs> I could buy that that would be the that would be the dream yeah beautiful yeah yeah I love that and I'm sure you're going to visualize that and I'm sure you're going to oh, achieve yeah, it <laughs> so I am often asked by people how they can live a balanced life it seems that a lot of people are struggling with them um, living a balanced life and knowing you with you know having young children and expecting a third one you are right in the middle of that so what would you say to people who ask you how to live a balanced life I think it's all about prioritizing I think some people think I'm mad when I tell them I'm expecting a third child but for me I never ever wanted to compromise what my family aspirations were and my career and I just always felt like whatever happened I'd make both of them work so I always wanted to work for myself I always wanted to have a successful career and I always wanted to have a big family and so I never really questioned not having that yeah but then making it work can be quite difficult I think what I do I make sure that I am not on my phone when I get home so I you know have absolute n no phone between six and well I try to do six and the following day but if I'm super busy I generally sit on my laptop so it's just making those kind of small, you know, non-negotiables, basically. Like yeah. I won't, when I'm with my children, I try really hard not to be on my phone. On the weekends, I leave my phone at home. So if we go out for lunch, I'll always just leave my phone at my house so I can never look at it. And I think that helps to create kind of a bit of separation between work and, and children. And also, I think it's important to be open you know, the hardest thing when you're trying to balance is not being open and honest. You know, and the more that you talk about it and the, you know, the difficulties that are involved with having a small you know, family and running a career, you know, the more that you're open about it with your staff and your friends and your investors, the easier actually balancing it all is because you can be a lot more honest with actually, I'm going to nip out now and go and see my children or I want to pick them up from school or whatever it might be. So I think don't be scared to talk about, you know, how hard it can be yeah. or, you know, if you've had a really bad day to talk about, you know, so I will go into work some days and be like, guys, just so you know, my children were up for eight hours last night. So I didn't sleep at all. So forgive me if my brain is not working as it should be. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's really hard, but it doesn't have to be, you know, super hard. I think, you know, as long as you've got a good support network. I often f find this question difficult because my mum lives with me. Yeah. <laughs> so I have it kind of much easier and I don't have this huge kind of weight on my shoulders because I know that they're being looked after by her. But, you know, there are still days where it's like, you know, yeah. why am I doing this? But I think another good thing is, you know, my husband and I always have those conversations where we're like, you know, we're, if we're feeling particularly stressed or, you know, we're not seeing each other enough or we're not spending enough time with our children or whatever it might be, we'll always just sit down and say, what is the point of this? Like, what are we trying to achieve? And are we achieving it? Because that has to be the question you ask yourself all the time if you want to achieve balance. Because, you know, if you're working too, too many hours and you're not enjoying your life, that's not balance and there's no, no point. No. So I think keep questioning it, keep changing things. Don't be scared to change things that aren't working. Yeah, really good. I think we all 
you know, even just hearing your tips and hearing lots of other people's tips, it's, it's always something you can pick up and try mm. and, um, and knowing that you're not alone. Obviously, everyone is, is um, yeah. challenging and challenged by this um, out of balance epidemic that we're living in. Yeah. But I do think um, your tips about leaving the phone oh, behind yeah. because um, that's something that I hear all the time and um, we're all guilty of that. And um, if it's not work, it's social media or whatever yeah. it is. So good tip as well. Do you have any re- regular wellness practice that is non-negotiable for you? Yes, kind of. I walk my dog every day, which yeah. is so uh, when we put the kids to bed, me and my husband always go for a walk and that never changes unless there is some complete drama. So we'll go for like an hour walk every day, which is definitely like in terms of mental clarity and a bit of exercise and spending time together. It's just, you know, I love that time of day. Yeah, I think probably something that is probably non-negotiable is my diet you know I won't compromise that much on not in a not in a controlled sense at all but you know I know so much that I want to feel good and in my career like I have to be super focused and so I would say I'm quite you know I like to get in my kind of five a day definitely 10 you know tend not to kind of eat that much refined sugar but then saying that I don't know I probably haven't answered that quite right but you know I will also have a glass of wine if I want one. So yeah. I think it's finding that balance yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't really, like, wellness-wise, I think people expect me to do a lot more wellness things than I do. But I'm much more, I think I find wellness, I, fi- I feel most energised and strongest when I'm mentally, like, super clear. Yeah. Um, so any, I kind of will do anything that will allow me to feel much more. Yeah, you know. and I think for you it's built in. You know, it's not like, you, you yeah, know... Exactly. Um, you know, it's you eating well and stuff and that's built in and you don't see it as a wellness, but it's yeah. definitely part of um, of how you live and breathe and obviously encourage other people to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you started your business quite young. What kind of tips would you give to, um, to young founders or business owners or someone um, who wants to start their dream business? I would say, I would definitely say, just go for it, test it out. If it doesn't work, don't be scared to fail or change. You know, failure doesn't necessarily, you know, I failed a lot, but from the outside, it wouldn't look like I failed because I've just kind of changed my mind, changed the direction, kind of, you know, just carried on going. And so I think that is, you know, just get started is really important. I think try and find a really good support network. You know, I think there's a huge sacrifice that comes with starting your own business young. And that sacrifice is social life. You know, often all of your friends will be going out and you, and you really can't, you know, there's not, you can't compromise on, on when you're growing a business. So I think, think about that a lot, but don't let it put you off because it can be so much, there's so much reward in it. But also I think for a lot of people, like if you think that you want to start your business, I think really, really try and work out, I guess, how you're going to get there. So, you know, just scribble down as many notes as you can. I was a real note writer. I still am a real note writer. Like, you know, if I think of any tiny idea, I literally will write a hundred notes of how I might make that idea happen. So whether it's saying, okay, so I want to, I don't know, um, get Kate Moss to do our deliveries. You know, how might I make that happen? Well, I'd find out who her publicist is. I would find out who her best friends are, maybe see if any of them have done the detox before and try and get in that way. Or, you know, all of these kind of little things. So I just write a list of loads and loads of things and then I just go through my list and make sure that that happens. So in the early days that was really important for me because I didn't I wasn't particularly well connected and but I knew that in order to make an impact quickly we needed to get some celebrity followings. So I literally wrote a list of 20 people I didn't know who might have 
access to some of the people I wanted to try the detox and I just hounded them for weeks to make sure that when we launched there were some key people on our on our deliveries who would who would kind of spread the word and shout about us and and it worked yeah you know I love that because um I'm just drawing lines to to the book um that I've written about um to write down first putting pen to paper is really powerful in terms of making your thoughts rather than just being having them thoughts putting them into onto paper but also I get in the book to get everyone to to write uh, all the actions so if you have yeah. a dream like you know even if it's a hundred actions um, what are those actions yeah. and then I always get people to choose the seven most important because sometimes we get overwhelmed if there is like 300 mm-hmm. actions but I love you sharing that because I think there's a real real powerful yeah side on that. I think there is also a thing about pen and paper because I definitely as a note as someone who writes a lot of lists and notes if I put a note in my notes on my phone I will not refer back to it I know I won't so often if I write something really interesting in my notes I have to make sure that I physically write it handwrite it back into my notepad because when I'm referring back to things or I've had an idea I will always go to my notepad instinctively not to my phone yeah And so I think there is something about writing it and getting out of your head in pen and paper mm. that really makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, the scientist yeah. now says that that you create new pathways when you put pen to paper versus typing. So, oh, really, yeah. so um, you, and you're learning, and you also remember things much more because I never remember things yeah. if I put it on the phone versus no. writing it down. Yeah. I wonder if that's because you're an autopilot, aren't you, on your phone? Like on, often I've written, written something and I look at it and I'm like, I don't even remember writing that, but yeah. I have done it. Yeah. Whereas when you handwrite something, you know, it, be more conscious. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thank you. So you have achieved so much in the detox kitchen, making healthy, nutritious and delicious food more readily available to the world, as well as being a mother of two gorgeous children and one on its way. Oh. But I'm sure our listeners would love to know what's next for you in terms of um, person or business. So um, the business is in a really exciting stage at the moment. I guess for me, I feel like for the last six years, we've kind of been testing the water a little bit. So we've opened two sites that have been really successful. And we've also been focusing online. And we've also done a little bit of retail. So we retail in a couple of places. And for me, it's been much more about I'm not risk averse, but I'm also quite cautious and I want to make sure that if we're going to go full steam ahead with something, it's going to work. And so now we are, you know, I really want to focus online. And our home delivery business, which is actually how we started, is what we're going to really focus on. I kind of, I want to challenge, I guess, the delivery market a little bit and really become that kind of healthy food brand that you can have at your convenience whenever you want it. Mm. So that, and why I find that so exciting is because it's quite new to me, the whole online thing. So we're building a new website, we're um, altering our products so that it can be to make it slightly more affordable and also something that's less of a commitment. So at the moment you book breakfast, lunch and dinner and you have it kind of consecutively, you know, for a week or however many days you want. Whereas what I want is for someone to be able to click their app, for example, and they can order three or four meals from us to be delivered directly to their door, whether it be on a subscription or just ad hoc. I love the idea of being that brand that you know, if you're thinking about eating healthy food, you're thinking about Detox Kitchen. Yeah. So for us, it's really, that's the absolute focus. And it's really exciting to kind of really have that focus because I'm so excited about the healthy food industry is going that way. The convenience aspect of it is, you know, everyone wants everything to be super convenient. So for us, it's kind of working out the technology side of it and how we can achieve that. So that's really exciting from the business perspective and also growing the team out so we're bringing on lots of new people which is, which I love and then from a personal perspective I've got to manage my maternity leave <laughs> <laughs> 
which will be interesting. Yes, um, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, so I keep going back and forth. I'm like, I'm definitely going to have six months where I can just completely switch off. But I just, I can't, I don't think I can. Not because I can't physically, but probably because my brain won't allow me to stop. But it's also really good, I think, for my team, for me not to be there. Mm. You know, I think one thing that I've always wanted to do is give them enough independence so that they're not asking the question would Lily like this but you know would our customer like this is it mm. right for the business and kind of take me out of it so having a baby and going on maternity leave does allow that to happen which is good so yeah that's kind of next yeah next big thing exciting exciting times mm. so I would love to finish up by asking a few questions that I know um, our listeners would love to hear you answer do you have any particular morning routine to set you up for a productive day I think I do actually. I'm quite routined in the morning in that you have to be when you have children. So yeah. my children generally wake at six o'clock and we go downstairs together and we all have a cup of tea and they will have some milk and we'll just kind of, you know, sit there for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And then we'll wake my husband up <laughs> and he'll come down. We'll have breakfast together. And breakfast normally lasts for about half an hour every weekday. It's quite a big meal actually in our home. Yeah. So that's always nice. And we'll have, you know, we'll just have a chat. And then either my husband or I will take the dog for a walk and yeah. I will get my children dressed and then either of us will take them to nursery and the other one will go to work. So we and we alternate every day between the two. Yeah. Which is quite nice. Yeah. But it's such a strict, you know what it's like with children. It's yeah. such a strict routine. Like there's no way of deviating from it because if you do like all hell will break loose and, you know, there'll be tantrums. So, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty organized in the yeah. mornings. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any other particular rituals to help you live your dream life? I think the most important thing for me is my sleep. Mm. So my ritual is I have a bath every day mm. and I read for about an hour in the bath. <laughs> nice. Which I know it seems really indulgent, but you know, that's the, it's like an hour. So I basically will come home from a walk and then I'll just stay in the bath pretty much until I go to bed. <laughs> Sounds a bit crazy actually, like the bath lady, but you know, that really is my time to, I, I, I can get stuck into, really stuck into a book or, whatever you know whatever it might be or listen to a podcast yeah and I think for me that's just my downtime my me time and I think that really helps it also completely relaxes me before I go to bed so that I end up sleeping yeah pretty quickly but I have to get eight hours sleep if I yeah. don't I'm a complete nightmare yeah yeah, yeah. sleep is so important yeah. and I think the bath is a really lovely lovely tip for our listeners to get in because often we send, tend to look at screens or you know yeah. tv and, and having a bath is uh, really setting you up for a good night's sleep which is then making you very productive yeah um, the day and I after. guess the other good thing about the bath is that you're because you're not looking at a screen so you know you it's almost distracting yourself whereas if your routine was something where it was possible to have a screen there yeah you know you'd be kind of more tempted by it yeah. so yeah that's always quite good I definitely think f from a sleep perspective I will not look at my phone at good hour before I go to yeah. bed like I think it's makes a massive difference yeah absolutely yeah the blue mm. light it's definitely and yeah. our bodies believe that we are should be awake yeah. so um, yeah 100% agree so what's your favorite Kiki K product if you have one <laughs> I love this gold pen. It's become my new favorite gold pen. So Aww. nice. It writes so nicely because I'm left-handed. And so often pens don't agree with me very yeah. much. But this agrees with me very well, mm. which is good. And I had a couple of people saying that and I love that because it's my favorite pen. I, I really believe you only really need 
a few of these around the house and in your bags and have lots of refills and you you are set for for yeah, a pen, really so good pen. Nice. And the other thing I love actually is your box to put your phone in to hide it away. Yes, yes, yeah. That is this genius. I yeah. think everyone should have that on their bedside table or they should have it downstairs in their yeah. kitchen away from their bedroom so that it's there and maybe they put it in there the whole weekend as well. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> have you got a favorite book and if yes, why is it your favorite book? Generally in the world yeah oh. favorite book in terms of to read yeah <laughs> to read <laughs> oh, I, I often find it so hard to think of a favorite book because I read so constantly so that I've, I've only got things that are currently in my head but I love all of Paolo Coelho's books I think they're just brilliant I love oh what's her name she's my favorite author of all time um she wrote Chocolat and Five Quarters of the Orange so I, I love to read fiction and non-fiction I think a really good business book um that I've read a few times is Start With Why yeah which is brilliant it's just really insightful yes my favorite author is Joanne Harris I just love the way she writes it's so like magical and and you know they're often kind of normal women in her books that are really strong women but they're kind of slightly you know, they'll be kind of, they'll have some form of magic or, yeah. you know, and she talks about it so eloquently, but really it's just like they're using their instinct or whatever it might be. So I love her books. A really helpful book actually that I've read for people that who are managing other people is, it's called The One Minute Manager. And it's great for people that have time to manage people because it's just, you can read it in a day and it just helps you to prioritize you basically make sure that the person that you're managing knows exactly what they're doing and exactly how they report into you mm. so that you can manage them in, in one minute, which does quite, work quite well. So, yeah, I'm sure there are hundreds more books, yeah. but I can't think of any at the no, time that's, that's great. The last question for you is if you could go back to your younger self, say when you're in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? I would say don't worry about what other people think. Mm. And I worry more so, you know, when I was a teenager, what, 15 years ago, I suppose, I did really care what other people th thought about me, but that wasn't even back in the day of social media. So that was just, you know, what, you know, as you do kind of a, as a young girl thinking about, you know, am I wearing the right trousers or, you know, I used to have some kind of crazy thoughts and <laughs> you'd always kind of keep them in in case it wasn't quite the you know right thing. Or, you know, I think a lot of creative people probably think that more where they're holding back a bit. And so now having my daughter and my son, you know, I just want them to be completely themselves and it's fine to be a bit crazy and a bit, you know, not, conform to the norm and so yeah I would definitely say that to myself because now I really don't care what people think and I feel so happy you know I think and you can connect with people much more when you don't care other people are thinking because you know you are yourself entirely and that ultimately is what people like people like people who are themselves so yeah. yeah, I love that. And it's so in line in, uh, with my book because I, um, I'm um, referencing Bronnie Ware, who's an Australian palliative caretaker. And she interviewed, um, she did a book called the, the Five Regrets of the Dying. And she interviewed these people who were dying. And the most common regret was um, that people didn't live a life true to themselves. Mm -hmm. And I, um, that's one thing that I really want to change because um, even if we do get to live a long life, life is short and why not living um, the life that is true to you and not your parents and not your peers or what everyone else yeah. thinks. So it's a beautiful way of ending this lovely conversation. Yeah, Thank oh, you good. so Thank much. You. And thanks first for taking your time. I know you're extremely busy and um, so I really nice. appreciate it. <laughs> and also I want to... Thank you for all that you do to the world in terms of wanting to change so many great things in terms of um, people eating real food and also um, 
remove plastics and things, which is one of my dreams as well, um, to Mm -hmm. not have any plastic kikike is one of my dreams. So I really appreciate it. And I love this conversation and I cannot wait to um, go and eat some food in your lovely detox kitchen. Definitely. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. What a wonderful chat that was. Lily is such an incredible woman, following her passion of helping people live healthier, happier lives and juggling motherhood and family alongside her increasingly successful business. One of the most inspiring things I took from our chat was that no matter what your goal or dream is, it's vital to think about the actions you'll need to take to achieve it. It's not enough to just have a dream. We must consider all the ways we can make our dreams happen and then work hard to make them a reality. This is something I'm really passionate about. And one of the major messages in my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, is that we all need a clear master action plan to help us achieve our dreams. If you haven't got a copy yet, I encourage you to do so as you will find helpful chapters on how to set a clear roadmap to help you achieve your dreams, whatever they may be. And also grab a copy of the Dream Life Journal I have created to go with it. Another great place to start is to check out my 101 Dreams audio guide at kiki-k.com forward slash dream life. Before we wrap up this episode, I would like to just make a special mention of International Women's Day this week and celebrate all the amazing, incredible women out there, just like Lily, who are working hard and achieving so many amazing things. It's a time to support and empower women everywhere to be brave and find the confidence within them to follow their dreams. This is something so dear to my heart and our latest There She Is collection at Kiki K has been designed with this in mind. We want to empower women everywhere to be fearless, strong, courageous and embrace who they are every single day. Not just on International Women's Day, but every day. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiration. And please tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I would really appreciate your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and go and chase them. So please help us spread this inspiring message to even more people by sharing our podcast on social media with the hashtag 101 million dreamers. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams.